Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. All right, so last time on the podcast, there was a crazy chase sequence with a hot air balloon and a helicopter and a crash landing into the dam. So we'll pick up the story from there. And today I'm going to be reading Chapter 26, The Key. Here we go. Yet again, there was a huge crowd at Currawong Gardens. Joe, Finn, April and Loretta were wearing their very best outfits. And since the smartest thing they owned was their school uniforms, that is what they had on. Even Pumpkin had a bow tie on his collar to make him look extra especially adorable. They were standing in the rotunda next to the mayor, Rowena Albright, as she gave a speech that blathered on and on. Everyone in town was there. Thousands of people filled the stands that were still erected from the cockroaches the day before. And so the town of Currawong thanks you, droned Mayor Albright. Never before have four children and a dog, interrupted April. And a dog, amended the mayor, shown such courage, some might say irrational and ridiculous courage, but courage nonetheless, to apprehend a criminal in our community. If she doesn't stop gassing on, I'm going to go home and watch TV, muttered April. You can't. This whole event is to honour our bravery, said Joe. Bravery, snorted April. You dropped Finn on the coach's head. If you dropped him half a metre in the other direction, he'd be a splat in the middle of some farmer's field right now. And so, in conclusion, prattled the mayor. Yay, she's wrapping it up, said Loretta. By saving the credibility of the Currawong cockroach races, you have done a great service to this town. It is my privilege to thank these four young citizens and their dog by presenting them with a key to the city, Mayor Albright concluded. Everyone applauded. There were cheers and whistles. Finn smiled. We should remember this moment. It's our turning point, the moment where we were accepted as part of the Currawong community. Isn't it sweet, said Loretta, waving at the crowd, like the Queen waves at her subjects. They've totally forgotten about my cheating in the cockroach races last year. Bless them. Mayor Albright reached into her pocket, rifled round for a couple of seconds, then pulled out a key and handed it to Joe. The four of them looked at it. It was a regular brass door key. What's that? asked April. Isn't a key to a city meant to be, well, bigger? asked Finn, looking down at the normal-sized key that lay in Joe's hand. Well, Currawong is not a very big town, said the mayor defensively. But this is just an ordinary old key that you found on the ground somewhere, isn't it? said April, picking it up and glaring at it. It's the key to Currawong, said Mayor Albright. April snorted. Ugh, no wonder it looks so unimpressive. People in the crowd started to boo. Put a sock in it, snapped April. You should all be happy. Look in your pockets. You've all got keys to the city too. Pumpkin jumped up, snapped the key out of April's hand and swallowed it. April laughed. Ha! 
Good boy! Even Joe and Finn couldn't stop smiling. Pumpkin panted happily. The booing grew louder, and there was some angry yelling as well. Whatever, said April. I'm going home. She stalked off. Pumpkin quickly bit the mare's ankle before chasing after her. I guess we're back to square one, Finn sighed. No one likes us again. I think I prefer it this way, said Joe. Popularity is terrifying. Oh, look, there's Daddy, exclaimed Loretta, waving to a man wearing surgical scrubs and talking on a mobile phone. He must have snuck out of heart surgery to buy me lunch. She ran over to meet him. Joe, Finn and April pushed their way through the crowd, which could now be more accurately described as an angry mob, towards the car that was waiting for them. Ingrid had driven them all down to the ceremony. Hopefully, even without Loretta, she'd give them a lift home. Dad had stayed in the car because he didn't like crowds or people, plus Constable Pike had yelled at him the day before for leaving the keys in his unregistered helicopter. The pesky kid slid into the back seat. Let's go home, said Finn. Dad didn't respond, except to quiver and point at the person sitting in the driver's seat. It was not Ingrid, but it was someone they recognised. Professor Maynard, exclaimed Joe. What are you doing here? asked Finn. Responding to reports from the field, said Professor Maynard. What does that mean? asked Joe. Spies, said Dad. Okay, Dad, we've heard enough of your crack brain theory, said April. No, your father is entirely correct, said Professor Maynard with a smile. You didn't think we'd leave three children with a price on their heads alone and unwatched, did you? You never said there was a price on our heads, said Finn. How much? asked April curiously. Can't kill Finn, said Joe, guessing the train of his sister's thoughts. Why not? asked April. I don't need two brothers. Too, too many if you ask me. Maybe I'll hand you in, said Finn, glaring at April. Ha! scoffed April. Like to see you try. Finn grabbed April in a headlock. April took hold of Finn's arm in a wrist lock, and wrestling commenced. Am I going to have to stun you two with my taser so we can finish this conversation? asked Professor Maynard. Please do, said Joe. Your caseworkers have reported that you have critically failed in your assignment to assimilate into the local community, said Professor Maynard sternly, and that, on the Richtenheimer scale of physically observable morale levels, you displayed a score of only 82 out of a possible 300 in personal satisfaction ratings. What does that mean? asked Finn. We have mathematically observed that you are unhappy here, said Professor Maynard. I have graphs and tables on my phone that can prove it. As such, we have set up a new safe house for you, this time in an urban environment where hopefully you'll be better able to acclimatise yourself to the community. What's she saying? asked April, still trying to give Finn a noogie while everyone else was distracted. She's moving us again, said Joe. No, protested April. I'm not going anywhere. You can't refuse, said Professor Maynard. Setting up a 100% secure safe house in this day and age of high technology is no easy business. You won't get this chance again. If your identities are compromised here, there's nothing I can do, short of arranging for you all to have plastic surgery and move to the Bahamas. Cool, said Finn. I like the beach. I'm not going anywhere, said April stubbornly. I like it here. What, said Finn? Everyone hates you. I don't care, said April. You complain about everything, said Finn. To be fair, said Joe, she complained about everything back in the city too. I like Currawong, said April. It's never boring. Back guano crazy, maybe, but never boring. 
I like it here too, admitted Joe. Finn rolled his eyes. You just like Loretta. Joe blushed. Well, she is stunning, snapped April. You have to have your eyes gouged out with a melon baller not to notice. I want to stay too, confessed Finn. Everything's very real here. Trees, sunshine, cockroach races. It's fun. What about you, Dad? asked Joe. What what do you want? I don't mind where I am, said Dad, his voice and his whole body shaking. I, I just want to stay with my kids. His eyes welled with tears. In a bout of wildly uncharacteristic empathy, April reached forward and awkwardly put her arm around her dad's shoulders. He hugged her back, his shoulders quivering as he silently wept. It's hard to have a relationship with a father you've only known for a week, especially when he doesn't have a very tight grasp on rationality. But what the children realised was that although they might not have known their father, he had known them, and he'd been missing them for 11 years. We'll stay, said Joe. Fine, I suppose, said Professor Maynard sniffly. There is another family in mortal peril, so I suppose they can have the new safe house. But be warned, there is a limit to how well I can protect you in Currawong now, especially if you make a habit of hijacking hot air balloons. Professor Maynard opened the door and swung her leg out. Wait, called Finn. Who are our caseworkers? Who have you got watching us? I couldn't possibly reveal his or her identity, said Professor Maynard. I bet it's Mr Popov, said April. It isn't normal for a teacher to have an accent and rippling shoulder muscles. No, Joy from the cafe, said Finn. It would explain why she's so miserable. She's a highly trained spy who hates being posted here. Stop guessing! This is not a game, snapped Professor Maynard, her veneer of affability slipping. Don't try to compromise your handler's cover IDs the same way you've ruined your own life. Dad glanced out the window and spotted Ingrid sitting on the park bench and waiting for their conversation to end. He opened his mouth to say something, but stopped. If he was right, he didn't want to put her in danger. If you don't care about your own safety, said Professor Maynard sternly, think about your mother. Think how your actions here can affect her. With that mysterious and dramatic statement, she got up and slammed the door. A black van pulled up, Professor Maynard climbed in, and it sped away. I suppose we should be grateful she didn't blow our house up again this time, said Finn. She didn't blow it up, did she? I don't think so, said Dad. Come on, said Joe. Let's go home and see. And that is the end of the chapter. But the next chapter is only one and a half pages long, so it would be cruel to make that a whole episode on its own, so I'm just going to read it now. This is the final chapter in the book. Chapter 27, Home is Where the Disaster Is. Here we go. As Ingrid drove them home, the pesky kids felt almost like a regular family. As regular as a family with a traumatised father and a mysteriously absent mother could feel. Even Dad had stopped manically fidgeting so much. I'm just glad this cockroach craziness is over, said Finn. Now things can go back to normal. They can't go back to normal, snapped April, because nothing here was ever normal to start with. Everything here is weird and all the people are bonkers. Yeah, but that is normal for Currawong, said Joe. I'm going to have a cup of tea and spend the afternoon separating my daffodil bulbs, said Dad. Verdadette, cried Ingrid. They didn't have to speak Swedish to figure out what she was looking at. 
Up ahead, a huge cloud of black smoke billowed above the trees, directly over their house. Ingrid floored the accelerator and they flew up the driveway, skidding to a halt on the gravel as they came around the last bend. Oh no, oh no, oh no, well, Dad! Their house was on fire. Flame licked out from an upstairs window. The pesky kids were horror-struck. This is a nightmare, murmured Finn. It was the second time they'd seen their home in flames in one week. Who would do this to us? asked Joe. No one had a clever reply. The end. And that is the end of the whole book. The Pesky Kids, The Mystery of the Squashed Cockroach. So that means that next time I'll be starting with the first chapter of the next book in the Pesky Kids series, which is The Pesky Kids Stuck in the Mud. Okay, so until next time, goodbye.